0: You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible.
1: Another episode of Booth Review presented by Emprise Bank. You can drive to a brick-and-mortar bank location or... You can bank from the comfort of your own home. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. I choose to do business with Emprise, and you should too. They have all the tools to give you a phenomenal banking experience wherever you live. That's Emprise Bank, member FDIC. I'm Ken Swanson. I am not with Scott Chasen. Uh, absolutely not. We have upgraded today. I am with Nick Schwert. He's the host of the Waving the Wheat podcast. He is on Middays on 610 with Cody and Gold. Nick, man, what is up? It's good to to have this uh, opportunity to nerd about Kansas football with you. Yeah, it's great. You know, I've spent
2: hours upon hours over the course of my lifetime talking Kansas football with Scott Chasen. And to now (laughs) be sitting in his chair. Talking KU football with you. It's a it's a weird sort of feeling, but I'm happy to be here.
1: I'm just I'm just glad we were able to to upgrade this week. He was he, he was he was one of those guys that uh, you are. You're one of those guys that, you know, he threw out as, you know, I've got to talk to you before the season's over. So I'm excited we can make this work.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: yeah, dude. I, the first thing I need to know is, does Jalen Daniels get the Heisman vote that I just learned that you you possess? So is Jalen Daniels getting it?
2: You know, what's so funny is before the season began, I was doing a different podcast and a buddy of mine asked me, he goes, what would Jalen Daniels need to do to be in highs to get an invite to New York to get one of your Heisman votes? And I said, okay, well, he would need to throw for 28 touchdowns, give me eight rushing, uh, six or less interceptions and KU needs to win eight games. And through five weeks, I was like, oh my God, he might end up getting one of my votes. But at that point, it wasn't even like, I'm nervous. I'm going to have to vote for him. It was legitimately, he might be one of the five best players in college football. We know what happened from there. But it's disappointing because I was like, this is, this is real. Like through, he's one of the best players in college football. And it wasn't just a feel good, cute story. This kid from Kansas is sort of having a nice little season by a lot of metrics. He was one of the best players in football and it's unfortunate the way things panned out. But uh, I mean, still, even with all the time, he missed an incredible season from him.
1: Oh man. It's, uh, it's been so, it's been so fun to watch his growth, his progression. And I feel like, I feel like the last two weeks we still haven't seen the full version of Jalen Daniels either. Like it was impressive that he came back from the injury and he looked night and day better this past week against kansas state than he did against yeah. texas but we still didn't get to see the, the guy that we saw the first five weeks of the season i don't think
2: no it's i don't know if it's as much a confidence level but you don't play football for a month and a half you can't expect a guy to hit the ground running and then you account for the fact it's not just an injury. It's a separated shoulder in his throwing shoulder. So to think that he's going to be able to come back, have his full range of motion, and also trying to knock that rust off, you're right. He's not the same guy. I would be interested to see now, knowing that he's going to have virtually three to four weeks off before playing an actual football game mm-hmm. again. I'd be real interested to see what he looks like in a bowl game, assuming that KU's playing you know, at the end of December.
1: That's the thing that keeps coming, like I, I keep thinking about too, is just like, hopefully that's enough time for him to be put in a situation where we can kind of get the full the full Jalen Daniels experience yeah. again. And I want to say this, I don't think he played bad against K-State. I don't want to make it sound like I, I thought he had an abysmal performance and and or anything, because I actually think he played pretty well, all things considered. It's just you can tell that they're managing him a little bit differently. And he's having to manage himself a little bit differently too with some of these injuries, put his body at risk down in the goal in a goal line situation, try to make sure that they secured that touchdown as they're still trying to compete and get back into that game. But you saw there really wasn't a there wasn't a ton of design run in that game still. There was, you know, there were some moments where Jalen Daniels protected himself. I'm completely content. With him doing that, I think he earned the opportunity for this team to win the game or to, 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 I think he earned the opportunity to be the quarterback for this team. Uh, you know, I think he gives them the best chance to win. Uh, but it just, it was kind of, it's, it's just a bummer that we, we didn't get that full look at him, you know, against K State and all that.
2: No, because that was so like his athleticism was part of what made KU so incredibly difficult to defend because one of the things that really stood out to me when he was out was how much less effective that option game was with Jason Bean, in, which is so weird because people talked to me before the season about the the differences between Daniels and Bean or even when in that TCU game when Bean came in and you knew he was going to be starting for the team moving forward. They were like, well, you know, he's not quite the runner that Jalen Daniels is. And for a second, I thought, well, I don't know, man this guy might be the fastest dude on the team, but then over the course of the next month, you did see the differences instinctually. He's not the same as Jalen Daniels. He's, he's not the, he has that track speed Bean does, but in terms of making guys miss the agility, the lateral quickness, that's where Daniels sort of showed off. And it's not as though that's really affected by the, the shoulder injury, but I think it is more so of, do I want to put myself on the line to the point where I re injure it, not just miss the rest of this year, but You have to think for himself, I don't know if he's going to be back at Kansas. I don't know what the the options are going to be for him this offseason, but you know there are going to be other teams interested in him, and as he looks towards his future, you'd have to think that's weighing on his mind a little bit, and I would imagine the coaching staff, too, they're not going to put this guy in a position to go out there, injure it, be in an even worse position, not just for them the rest of the season, but potentially for next year as well.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I think that's all in the back of 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 KE football fans' it has minds. To be, is, right. Is Jalen Daniels coming back? You know, you hope the you know you hope the, the collective, the the NIL deals, you know, come in to a point where he, he can stick around because I mean he he's the guy that accelerated the growth this program. He's the one. I mean and I'll I'll get I'll, I'll get to some of that here in a second, but I do think he was the one that accelerated the program. But I did want to talk one thing real quick because I I teased this on I teased this on Twitter during the during the game. So you know we we saw Jalen Daniels play not at hundred percent. I think sneakily, that was one of the better called games Andy Kodal Nicky had all season against Kansas State. Really? And, yes. And here's a little wrinkle. Here's a little wrinkle that I thought was absolutely brilliant from him. So the thing the blocking schemes for between Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean are a little different when it comes to the run game, because with some of the reads Jalen Daniels will kick it up inside a lot more. He's willing to run up inside between the tackles. He's better upside up in between the tackles has that change of direction. So you can, you can utilize him a little bit differently in the option game. Like you said, you know, with Jason Bean, it's track speed, but it's like, he has to stay on a track, right? Any yeah. adjustments, right or left, It's you know, it can be an adventure at times, but he's got that really great speed to the edge. Well, I think, you know, they couldn't run the full complement of plays that made KU so special offensively, being able to run Jalen Daniels up inside, giving him a ton of opportunities and options to run up inside with the reads. So I saw what I saw is they ran this little, they ran some option early in the if you remember first series or two, they ran option, right? It was more, it was more of a, a, a speed option. You know, it wasn't, there wasn't really too much of a dive element to it. Right. But they ran option a couple times. Right. And we, we saw it early in the game. Do you, do you remember if they did it at all after though? Like, can you remember how many times I can't, I don't think they ran that option. Look with the run game anytime after that.
2: No, because the series where Lachlan fumbled, that was a short series, but they ran it. Three times, and none of those were. Yeah,
1: none of those were options either. I don't think so. I think you're right. So, do you know what they did though? They took that option play, and they basically treated it like that was their play action. They established that they could run the they, that they would run the option, and they forced K State to honor that look. But if you saw a lot of early downs, the rest of the game, they showed that option look with a little play action jab step. And it was a drop back. It was a drop back pass. And it was, hey, we're gonna establish that we do this. We're gonna make you honor it the rest of the game. But we're not gonna do it anymore because we can't. Because we really, actually can't run Jalen Daniels. We really can't do too much in the run game. And it was all early down passes too, which is like that's your play action looks. That's your that's your you know. It, it was kind of a. I think it was a smart little curveball to say, okay. Andy, Andy Kudelnicky looks and says, "Hey, look, I really can't run Jalen Daniels all that much. How can I make them think I am? How can I make them honor it for sixty minutes?" And I think that little wrinkle was a extremely smart way for them to try to get, um, you know, get some get some opportunities down the field, get some early down completions against a good defense while keeping Jalen Daniels healthy and forcing them to at least honor the run a little bit.
2: You know, I think that's something with this, the Andy Cotonecki across the season. He has been lauded, rightfully so, for the innovation that he has shown as a play caller. But one thing I don't think he's gotten nearly enough credit for is the in-game adjustments like that. Mm. Like, I think he's been so good at leveraging what we have at our disposal this week because it's changed so much, right? Mm-hmm. You've, you lost Luke Grimm for a game. You've lost your running backs throughout the season. Obviously, the quarterback situation. Candace hasn't had a lot of consistency with personnel from week to week. And I think what they've done so well is, you know, in a given week, okay, what do we have? All right. What do these guys do? Well, how do we leverage that against what we think the other team's going to try and do? Because that, to me, that's the, that is one of the, like when I list, if I'm making a list of things that the great coaching staffs at any level do, we can talk about scheme and we can talk about system and culture and all that stuff. What I think is separates the great coaches from the good coaches is we're going to build a scheme around what we have as opposed to trying to find the pieces to fit into our scheme. We are going to be malleable. We're going to be light on our feet, nimble, willing to change at a moment's notice. And I'm sure you know this with as much as you cover in the NFL as well. You'd think that would be the norm. <laughs> but it's really not. It's really not. You don't see coaches being that willing to change and adapt on a week-to-week basis
1: oh man and i I think it's more prevalent in college honestly too though because like there's so many people that are so hell-bent on getting their scheme executed the way that they want it and it's it's a lot of my i think there's you know there's 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 we talked about this a lot on this show is like the ego like every college football coach has an ego but how it manifests itself in the big picture of things, I think, matters. And like, I feel like the egos are appropriately placed on this Kansas staff where they're not willing, they're not, they're not a wide zone team. They're whatever is going to work that week to win. They're, yeah. And and the malleability from this group to be able to not only come up with some concepts to integrate within their offense that they maybe haven't used to before, the thing that blows my mind about this entire staff, including Andy Colton, Nicky in his office, the ability to teach it. I just can't believe how good of teachers these guys are. And you see it, you know, with the growth and progression of this football team, schematically, you know, the, the fact that they're able to do as much as they are is it's mind blowing to me just because like it it requires exceptional teachers and they 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 have some nerds on there that are smart and talented, but they also have really really good teachers there.
2: And in, in, in talking, I talked to a couple of these guys throughout the season, uh, Devin Neal and Luke Graham. And one of those things both of those guys said was when I I said sometimes I watch the plays you're running where you've got two quarterbacks on the field and you're tossing to Bean, and then all of a sudden now it's an option to the other side, and they're throwing it uh, to Jared Casey in the flat who's wide open who cuts it upfield. I said, some of this stuff, like, your coaches must really trust you to run this. And I would imagine you guys are repping the hell out of some of these plays. And one thing Devin Neal told me is, like, we're not repping it as much as you'd think. Because stylistically, a lot of this stuff is the same. It's just one different wrinkle, right? We'll Mm -hmm. rep something all week. And they said they call it tilling for snakes. That's what Andy Nicky's doing. They'll rep it for four straight days. He's trying to find ways, not that it will work. But he's trying to find ways that the other team is going to stop it, and then they'll come in on Thursday and say, "Nope, we scrapped the play. Here's a brand new play where it's really the same play except one new wrinkle." Like that sort of ability to try and beat yourself almost on a week to week basis—that's so impressive to me. I, I just I can't speak highly enough about this offensive staff and
1: Nicki in general. I think like, and you know, it's all it's all that like there's there's core principles that they'll stick to. Yeah. And there's those things are the things that are going to allow them to 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 pull from the menu. They're the like it's so cheesy and corny, but it's true. It's like almost like the ingredients that they have at their disposal, or you know, or or the the techniques they're able to apply to the cooking, if you will, because they've got different things that they are well versed in, they're well educated in, and the ability to hey, we're gonna focus on this box of things but what this box allows me to do at this position is pull a lot of different things out that the ingredients that they have at their disposal are pretty pretty sturdy. And like you said, there's not major adjustments because you know, there's a lot of things that they just, they're able to stick within core principles with blocking and you know, all that stuff. It's, it, it really is just like impressive how advanced uh, of an offense that they have and one other thing we've talked about, and we haven't gushed about Andy Kotelnicki in a while, so he deserves it. But yeah, um I, I just think, you know, like I, I uh, Scott Chasen, when he was on, when he was on this show, uh, may he rest in peace, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he talked to Luke Grimm and like, I mean, the, the playbook's a lot bigger than what we see too. There's a lot more at their, at their disposal to be utilized. That hasn't seen the light of day. And, you know, Luke Grimm said something like 2% of the playbook, you know, that they've really shown, which is like, if that's true, that's insane. But at the same time, I don't, I I, I can believe it because of how logical this entire thing is built. It's hard. Some people say they're multiple offensively, you know, uh, and they're not. They're just, they they do a lot of things poorly. KU actually does a lot of things well or makes it difficult to prepare for the things that they do well.
2: So when you say like 2% of the playbook, do, like what's your read on that? Do you think that means that we have a larger playbook, but we don't go to it because that's not the stuff
1: we do best? There's probably a little bit of that. There's probably a little, I, and this was a little bit earlier in the season, but there's probably a little gamesmanship. You got to hold stuff. You know, you've got to try to carry your playbook through the course of the season but like this wasn't a point like this was not a point in the year where they should only have 2% of their playbook open. Right. Yeah, so like, exactly. I think it's a little bit of both if I'm being honest,
2: I'll be excited to see with so many guys that are coming back next year and assuming that Daniels is back. And I don't know how safe of an assumption that is, but I'll be interested to see like schematically how similar is it going to look to this year versus are you able to open it up a little bit more than you even did?
1: Yeah, no, that'll, that'll be something fascinating to monitor. Like, and I, they'll have more wrinkles on top of it, but like I think the QB run game is definitely something that they've tapped into, and I think they saw how unique what they were putting on tape was for teams and how much preparation it was forcing and how much stress it was putting on defenses. You have to think that there's going to be um, you know, a lot of those principles back next year.
0: We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
3: that's com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.
1: I am here with Nick Schwert. He's with 610. He's with the Wave in the Wheat podcast, Nick. Uh, it's been really fun talking to you here so far. You know, we talked a little bit about Jalen Daniels in the offense. I do. We probably need to talk a little bit about the K State game, and I, I think there's probably some bigger picture stuff I want to talk about with all this too. But I guess, do you have any sweeping takeaways from the K State game? Are there any like thing, any big reactions that you had to that game at all, or? I'll I'll tell you where I'm at, but I just want to know, like, where where were you at after that game after KU loses uh, by 20 points to K State? You know, it's so weird altering expectations throughout
2: the season because I had someone ask me earlier or earlier this week, like, what what's one word to describe this Kansas football season? And I said impressive. And he said, really? With what? Winning one of your last six games, one of your last seven games? That's impressive. I said, their Vegas over and under was one and a half. So. Yeah, it's impressive. They're <laughs> no longer a laughing stock in Power 5 college football. They have stability for the first time in 15 years. Yes, impressive. But it's so weird. Like, early in the season, halfway through the season, I would have said, wow, that's going to be the game of the year at the end of the season. But we saw what happened with Jalen. We saw what happened with the win-loss record. So I, I, I got to a point where I just said, all right, they're going to start losing some games. They have their backup quarterback in. Injuries are kind of starting to mount. I want to I see how many of these games they look like they belong in. Because if you've watched enough Kansas football over the past decade, that list season to season has been very short. Mm -hmm. And usually it has been exclusively non-conference games. By the time (laughs) Big 12 games come around, it's like, oh, they don't belong here. They don't look like a Big 12 team because they're getting run off the field. They don't look like they belong on the same field with some of these teams. And so that kind of going into the K-State game six, Weeks ago, I wouldn't have thought K State would be a top 15 team in the country and playing for a shot at the Big 12 title game. So, uh, coming away from that game, I felt like they belong. And, and, And the reason why they lost, which has been the case in so many of their losses this year, is self inflicted wounds, which is crazy because that is the one thing that Lance Leipold has been so good at wherever he's been avoiding penalties, avoiding the costly mistakes. When we saw the switch from uh, Daniels to Bean, you saw a few more of those, what are you doing throws, right, yeah. that you didn't really see from Daniels earlier. And you go back to uh, the Burroughs muffed punt that basically gifted them six points. Then you had the pump by uh, uh, or the, excuse me, the, the fumble by Lachlan on a drive where all of a sudden you ripped off one. Looks like you're getting into territory. 20 points is not indicative of how close that game was, but I guess it's fair because I think it was the Baylor game Uh, The Oklahoma game and then even the week before where the final score wasn't indicative of how close that game was. So it goes both ways, but I don't think that was a 20-point game. KU kept it within 10 the entire time. It just kind of got away from them in the fourth quarter. So I didn't really change my opinion on this team. They're kind of the team I thought they were, which is when the offense is humming, I think they can play with anyone in the Big 12. And now that the season is in the rearview mirror, the regular season, I don't know. Is there any game you could say that maybe the Texas game is the only one where you'd say that looked like two teams on two different levels. Maybe you'd throw the Baylor game in there as well. But for the most part, like they hung with everyone in the big 12 this year. And it's been so long since you've been able to say that.
1: They absolutely belong. And yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't think the score is indicative of where this program's at. Um, at least, you know, the, if this game was played earlier in the year, it's not a 20 point game. And if this game played earlier than the in the year, Kansas might have won. Yeah, it's it's this. I mean, and uh, these teams kind of went different directions as the season went along, and I think that's a representation. You said such a great thing about expectations, how hard it is to navigate the expectations that that came about this season. Five and zero game day here. Right, and you all you go to they the KU went toe to toe with TCU people for you know don't they went t they went toe to toe with TCU with their backup quarterback who won one game the rest of the season and it's it's hard it's it's it, I for me it wasn't a moving target for expectations too much because everything felt like house money they got to five and oh, and it was great. And I just really wanted them to break through the the glass ceiling of bowl eligibility. That's yeah. all I cared about the rest of the year. After they lost that first game, and you saw Jalen Daniels down, it said, "You gotta, you gotta find one more." I didn't know where I. And I, I said it like right out. of... Well, they're gonna find more games. They're gonna find one or two more. They found it. Um, but I do. Like, I think what we saw though is, and K State probably is a pretty good representation because T- K State's depth was tested throughout the year. And they found a way to win nine football games. KU's depth was tested throughout the year and they faltered late. And yes, Jalen Daniels is not a guy. There's not a one-to-one uh, comparison, you know, for, for Jalen Daniels on KU's roster. And frankly, Will Howard's better than Adrian Martinez. So, you know, there's probably some, there's, you know, there's a little bit of luck there, right? But I, you know, I I think KU's depth across the board was tested and, maybe not even necessarily always not always just like the, the guys that missed time, but the guys that have to play because they don't have anybody else to step in for them. And the, the lack of transparency with, with injury reports and stuff like that, you just don't have a good pulse on it. Right. So yeah, I just, I think, the, the program is heading in such a positive direction. And now it's just a matter of, can we develop this team? Can we develop the talent and the depth a little bit more to where we aren't going to falter all the way off a cliff if something like what happens with Jalen Daniels happens? Maybe they can string them a couple more wins together if something similar happens in the future.
2: And they're already moving in the right direction. I mean, I remember years where they couldn't play a spring game, Kent, because mm. they couldn't field a too deep on the offensive line. I mean, seriously, yeah. that, like, that it's baby steps. And hopefully we'll get to a point where we're no longer comparing Kansas football to the doldrums of this program back in mm-hmm. 2014, 15, 16, when there was just such a talent discrepancy between them and everybody else in the Big 12. I do think one sign of of how far they've come with the depth and the stability of this program. I know we always link Lance Leipold to the depth, and now he signs the extension, which is great news for Kansas. But Lance Leipold could have left, Mm -hmm. right? He could have went somewhere. So as much as we say, well, wow, we got our guy. It's like, yeah, but he chose Kansas. Mm -hmm. Could have taken a better job with a better path of stability and success. And he decided to stay at Kansas. When's the last time a coach chose Kansas that didn't have any other options? Like, right? Nobody else was hiring Les Miles. Nobody (laughs) was ready to be the head coach. Lance Leipold had options. He chose Kansas. So as much as that is great, I think looking at his decision, the fact that he decided to stay in Lawrence mm-hmm. means so much for where this program's at right now compared to where they've been.
1: Well, and I, you know, the, the the contract came out for Lance Leipold today. You know, and you're seeing you know, some basically KU is guaranteeing that they will build a new stadium. KU is guaranteeing. Uh, that they will upgrade the you know Anderson Sports Complex. There are some things in there that are you know securing the future of this program. And so I, what I I love the fact that we're here and we're, we're talking about Lance Leipold extension. But KU's putting their money where their mouth is, uh, mouth is about building this program and giving him the resources necessary to build this program and. I, it's so cool to see that he's sticking to KU. It's so cool to see that he is bought in, and it's so cool to see Kansas football revitalize and given resources necessary to make this a sustainable winner. All right, Nick, I want to change. I want to change the subject a little bit here, uh, because I have a KU football player. I I wonder if I have an irrational amount of love for relative to the rest of people watching KU football. I don't know if you have any guy that maybe fits that mold for you. Just somebody that you like, love, appreciate more than they get the 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 more than you know, uh maybe gets the the credit. Is there anybody for you like that? Cause I definitely have one.
2: It's no it's the uh, one name comes to mind, it's Jared Casey.
1: Ooh. Ooh. Yeah.
2: Dude, are you kidding me? Like this guy was an absolute nobody before that Texas game. He'd never taken an offensive snap, catches the ball, and we all thought that was gonna be a nice, cool, cute story, right? Yeah. And then all he's done since then is become a vital part of this Kansas offense. (laughs) Nobody saw that coming. We thought that was going to be a cool story. And that's the last we were going to hear of him. All of a sudden the Kansas coaching staff's like, no, we got a weapon here. He's mm-hmm. like what 5'10, 230 pounds? I don't know. I'm just totally guessing. I don't have a roster in front of me. He's I think he's a little bigger, bigger than that, but I don't think he's any taller than 5'10. But dude, they just get him involved and he's mm-hmm. like he just makes a big play
1: like every other game. I love Jared Casey. It's like he's got the best hands in the Big 12. Seriously. Like it's not a joke. He will catch everything his way. He is remarkably consistent catching the football. And we talk about, hey, like little pieces and things that you know the KU will you know finding ways to 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 maximize the talent like Jared Casey's not a downfield threat but in these third and short situations they're going to find a way to get him on a drag route and maybe run a little rub for him and and get him open and he'll and he comes down with these big catches on these gotta have it downs all the time it's like it's true though like he's a he's a viable legitimate football player and like I'm debating at some point if he doesn't get some opportunities on a, like, I don't think he's going to get drafted, but if you told me he finds an opportunity as a fullback somewhere as an undrafted free agent, I'm not going to be remotely surprised. No, dude, the guy can just game. Like some guys just have that, you know,
2: he doesn't have any measurables that would lead you to believe he's going to be an NFL player, but there's just something about him that clearly the Kansas coaching staff sees. So that's my answer. Who's yours?
1: Okay. So, I, and more and more and more, I watch Craig Young play football. Mm -hmm. I hope people understand how good of a football player that kid is. Like, he is, he's not a unicorn in the sense that he's going to be a top, he's not going to be a first round pick. Okay, he's not going to be a, he's probably not going to be a day two pick. But he's this kid that literally does everything asked of him. They put a lot of different things on his plate. And I think about, hey, look, KU was struggling to get a little pass rush going against K-State. They rushed Craig Young. I believe he got, uh, he, I think he affected the quarterback. He might have got a sack. I can't remember. Affected the quarterback. And I just, it's this kid that can do a little bit of the Kyron Johnson stuff. That they allow, they, they can play basically as a big nickel. That allows them to play heavy without playing heavy this kid gets so much on his plate in so many different roles. He's just this rare kid that is asked to do so much. And like, it's not always perfect, but like the fact that he's able to do so much of what's asked of him is remarkable to me. I love watching him play and I love like how they utilize him within their defense.
2: Yeah. He's like a Swiss army knife. You kind of you're like well not I mean their their games aren't the same but like we say the same thing about Le'Jarius Sneed with the Chiefs like need him to be in coverage that's fine you need him to rush the quarterback he'll do that too like you can kind of move him all over the field and having one of those guys on a defense that as we know isn't a great defense mm-hmm. but having someone who can sort of fill a lot of different roles for you has been huge I like Craig Young a lot and I mean what a huge addition they I know Kansas killed the transfer portal but that was that was such a huge gift for a defense that
1: needed reinforcements this year in a bad way. Yeah, he might he might be my favorite player on that side of the ball. I just I love watching him play. Okay, so I got another question for you before we get out of here. All right, do you want to play Missouri in the bowl game? Okay, so I didn't even know this was like a
2: controversial thing because I just thought I assumed that everybody wanted to see Kansas and Missouri play. So my answer to that question, Kent before even knowing what your feeling is, is a resounding hell yes. I get it. (laughs) I get it. We're going to see them play in three years, and we're going to see this rivalry go. But, like, this isn't... like. I'm not going to minimize it to the fact that, well, we're going to get to see them in three years. Before this rivalry ended, it was considered one of the greatest rivalries in college athletics. So to think that I'm cool with just, just waiting three more years... Before they play again? No, I will take (laughs) a Kansas-Missouri matchup in any possible scenario I can get it. Bowl game, NCAA tournament, exhibition for charity. I do not care. If you can tell me I'm getting a kickstart on this rivalry three years early, I'm all for it. I get it. Bowl games are supposed to be opportunities to go play teams that you don't normally get to play. But this is different, man. This isn't Kansas playing Nebraska or Colorado or Texas A&M. Missouri I have been starved Kansas fans have been starved for this matchup for so long please give me all of it so okay
1: this is gonna sound a little cowardly (laughs) now I know where you stand yeah a little cowardly I just I I look at like we talk about trajectory of the program right and the risk risk reward is not the right word juice squeeze isn't quite the right word but what benefits do does Kansas have in playing this game against Missouri? It's because, fun. It's fun. That's the <laughs> but how devastating will it be for this fan base who has been kicked in, you know, just been kicked around and they've, they've been jaded and they've been hurt for 14 years. And they they have this incredible season that a fast start, When fully healthy, allows them the opportunity to to earn a bowl game, and you know maybe playing short handed, we don't know. They have to go step in to play Missouri, and like that's the thing. It's just the payoff is it's sweet if they pull it off. But I mean, KU's not playing at the. the, I don't know if KU's going to be the same version that they were earlier in the year, which. Makes me wonder, like, how devastating is it going to be if your season ends with a loss to K State and a loss to Missouri after having the best year in 14 years? Like, just the gravity of it. Just like, I'd rather just go play BYU in Phoenix. We had some technical issues with Nick, but it was so great to talk to him. Uh, We'll have to get him back on another time as well. It was really good uh, talking to him. You can find him on 610 Middays with Cody and Gold. You can find him on the Waving the Wheat podcast. Make sure you check him out. He's doing great work. That is another episode of Booth Review. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll catch you later.